0: Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world. And by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members. And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Pre-med Office Hours, episode 150. It is our uh, quinceanera times cn, <laughs> no, <wait. laughs> Times no, C. Times diez. <laughs> yes, no. what is going on my friends? I am Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here almost every week uh where we answer your questions live i uh founded medical school headquarters co-founded MAPS with my good friend rachel grubbs who is a pre-med and mcat test prep expert for the last 20 or so years how you doing rachel i'm
1: good um i just got my little pumpkin seed dish here to keep me nice and fueled up this is one of my favorite parts of the week i love to take questions uh so yeah excited to be here and excited uh to have the original gang. I mean, I love all our combinations. I love the way pre-med office hours sort of keeps it in the mix, but we three are the ones who started back when it was asked the dean.
0: Yes, it was. Dr. Scott Wright, speaking of the dean, the man, the myth, the legend himself, <laughs> keep calm, I'm a chaplain. You have been ordained, sir. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, very Lots of hard thank work. Reverend uh,
1: so yes. Dr. Scott Wright.
0: Um. So, if any of you need a little prayer over your MCAT test, press, <laughs> your, your MCAT score, uh, your application, just in
2: 1995 <laughs> to <laughs> it's just, it's just
0: 1995 to one two three anywhere Street, Austin, yeah. Texas. Um, and Scott will send back a a little spritz of holy water that you can spray yeah. wood over a whatever you. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs> um, you know, there's the gonna be someone job. who's
1: like, wait, where do I send that? Oh, of <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you heard of snake oil salesmen? <laughs> yes. Um. The question
1: is: Are any of them old enough to remember when TV did the like? Not ninety nine ninety five, not fifty.
0: Yeah, just like, three yeah. easy payments. But today, only two payments. Yeah. That's how you do it. Uh really? yeah. I, I love have you have you guys heard of this? And then we'll we'll get into questions. Um there was back when classified ads were a thing and mail order was a thing, there was this this solar powered dryer for like $25. And people were like, what? That's so cheap. A it's dryer a that's line. solar powered, <laughs> they would mail their 25 bucks in and they had to get a clothesline in the mail. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I ruined your punchline. Yeah. I just immediately was like, I know where that's going. That's it's hilarious.
0: Hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, it, no lies told here. Yeah. So. We
1: forget how rare dryers are. Like, lots of fully developed countries still I mean, just yeah. do washers and then clotheslines yeah. where, you know, yeah. Americans are like, what, outside where the dirt is? Yeah. <laughs> You know? No,
0: we, we want to contribute microplastics to the ocean. Let's try yes. it. Right. Anyway, on a brighter note, we are here to answer your pre-med questions. Dr. Mm-hmm. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, retired executive director of TMDSAS, myself who talks to lots of deans and directors of admissions as well as Rachel. Um, something uh, I'll, I'll mention a few things right off the top. We'll, we'll get our announcements out of the way. October 6th through 8th, mappedcon.com. It's our first in-person conference. We have uh, several medical schools signed up to exhibit. We have lots of deans and directors for a DO admissions panel, an MD admissions panel, a PA admissions panel. It's going to be a full pre-health conference. Um, we have podiatric medical schools and societies that are going to be there. We have We have it all. So come hang out with us, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, October 6th through 8th. That's at mappedcon.com. If we can get a banner up there, we go, um, go check it out. We have early bird stuff going on now, early bird yeah. pricing. I want to do... chime in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say a lot of people have asked about like, Oh, Baltimore. I don't know that city very well. The hotel we've chosen is in the inner Harbor. It's right in the small downtown area. It is super beautiful because it's right by the water Um, If you're a baseball fan, it's right by the Orioles Stadium by Candom Yards, which we checked, and they are supposed to be away, but it's like right at the end of the regular season, starting to get into playoffs, so it could be an exciting time. Um, Like, if you don't know Baltimore, it's, I mean, it's a great city, but it's a really, really lovely part of the city that we're going to be in. Mm -hmm. Wanted to Mm -hmm. chime in with that.
0: Um, there are a few things we, we have tickets, tickets are available. We have a few sessions that are very limited in terms of mm-hmm. tickets. If you want to come hang out with me for whatever reason, we have a breakfast on Sunday with me. Uh, we have an MMI event on Sunday as well. Those tickets are limited. We have, um, uh, what else? We we have lots of things. Go, go check it out. <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, and then, There are lots of students who want to potentially work with us one-on-one. Our schedules have been jam-packed. We have uh, two and a half advisors, kind of two full-time advisors, one part-time advisor. We are hiring new people, uh, former director of admissions, and uh, for for one of those hires, a current uh, admissions officer at a very fancy school in california mm-hmm. that i will not name uh so go go check it out she's she's joining us next month um so yeah so if you're looking for some one-on-one help we have uh, lots of lots of fun options for you yep. at medical slash yep. advising and with that said enough chatting let's start answering some questions yes JB asks, just received a 500. The full length average was a 501. So right there. Uh, is a June 29th retake too late? I really want to apply the cycle and otherwise have a solid app. 384 cumulative, 750 clinical hours, et cetera. And right using Dr. Gray's methods. Oh, that's a huge mistake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rachel,
0: June, June 29th.
1: Is it too late? Meh. I mean, I don't think it's ideal. But we often talk in applications about what is ideal, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. If you take it June 29th, you're going to get your score back in late July. Assuming that you, you say you are you that you really want to apply and otherwise have a solid app. Right. So I see great grades. I see plenty of clinical. Hopefully it's not just hours, but meaningful. You say write using Dr. Gray's method. I guess what I want to question is that means have been writing. Right? Because the great challenge, I think, with taking the MCAT in late June is that I still want you to try to get your primary in early. And I would still want you to be pre writing secondaries in June while you're doing MCAT prep so that when you get secondaries in late June, early July, you can still turn them around promptly. So, you know, it, it's not ideal. Ideal would be no later than late May. I mean, really, to me, ideal is January or March. But I wouldn't say it's too late. Um, you know, I think the question is, you're scoring around the same place as you did your practice tests. So what are you going to, going to do differently? What's going to happen in the next six weeks that's going to push your score up? So you just have to really reflect. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that's your peak score, but everyone reaches their own personal peak. So is that the best you can do or are there things in your prep that we're missing or we're not in depth enough that you could do better? And can you make those changes while also continuing the application process on the ideal timeline?
0: <laughs> yep, yep. We have a question from D Helene How do you study for preview and Casper? I've never heard of preview and I'm vaguely familiar with Casper. So Casper with an E, Casper, our friendly ghost. Dr. Scott writes, these um these situational judgment tests are something that scares students because they're they're new. It's not something typically that you go through grade school and high school and, and college, and you're, you're not taking situational judgment tests every day um, for your exams. If, if you were just on the street and somebody says, Hey, wh- what's Preview and Casper? How would you respond?
2: Well, the first thing I would say is get out your phone and Google it and <laughs> read on the websites what they're all about. And because mm-hmm. they describe to you what they are. You know, I, I, and I, I'm not trying to be snarky or anything, D. Helene, but the way that you get beyond vaguely familiar with Casper is you go to the Casper website and you read what it says and you understand at least the basics of what the test is all about, what it's testing, uh, et cetera. So, you know, I think that's the first step. Uh, once you're, you know, once you get familiar with that, I think you'll see that there's not a whole lot of prep that you can do. There's some practice things on the CASPER website, for example, where you can practice, uh, you know, uh, that they'll have some sample prompts and, and stuff like that that you can kind of go through and see what it's all about. Uh, the two tests are very different. Uh, they are both situational judgment tests, but one is a um, multiple-choice uh, objective kind of exam, and the other is a free response exam. And uh, so they're very different in that way, but they're attempting to get it the same sort of uh, information uh, from, uh, from the applicant. And, and that's how, how you would behave in certain uh, situations, hence situational judgment test. There you go.
0: That is it. And you can go to our YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. look at MappedCon 2022, I had both the AAMC, uh, a rep for Preview, and Dr. Kelly Dore, one of the co-creators of Casper. I had both of them uh, li- live, um, not in person, but just live. And we had a conversation about the two tests and um, similarities, differences, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. Just just search MappedCon 2022 Casper preview and you'll find it. Andrew asks, there's some confusing info about whether rehabilitation techs are considered clinical experience. What are some key points that your job needs to cover for it to be considered clinical? I still want that darn is it clinical a little sound bite. Uh, We don't have our, is it clinical expert Verinia on the show today, but Rachel is a good stand in for this. Rachel, is it clinical? What, what are the, the key points that someone should think about?
1: The question you have to ask yourself, Andrew, is, am I working in a way that is directly related to their health And rehabilitation techs, I mean, this is where it gets tricky, right? Rehab tech, occupational tech, physical therapy, those are all related to health, but also the whole point of clinical is to approximate medicine. And so our concern with rehab tech is, although you may be doing some physical work with them, um, it's sort of like the post-medicine part of the experience, right? So, uh, I typically would say I would not count it as clinical or I might say if you're trying to make the case that it's clinical, it should not be the only thing you list as clinical. I would still want you to have something that I think is more squarely in the category, Um, you know, like being a med assistant, um, being a certified nurse assistant, being an EMT. those kinds of positions, I think, um, just get you a little closer to what clinical it really is. But the challenging thing with clinical is that there is some gray area. Um, and sometimes the job title alone is not enough. It's what are you doing on a daily basis? That's that's how you make the case.
0: Yeah. So rehab tech, to me, is a very specific term that they used. So rehab tech, and, and Andrew, this this may or may not be correct, Rehab tech to me is inpatient rehab. Like you are working with the inpatient physical therapist, taking someone who's post-op dragging them out of their bed and walking them around the hospital floor. To me, that's very different environment and patient population than a PT aid, which is basically the same thing, but the, the environment differentiates the, um, the title, where you're in an outpatient PT office and helping someone with their post-op rehab or injury rehab or whatever. So to me, if, if I have that language right, if, if rehab tech is inpatient post-op rehab or whatever you're doing, that to me is probably a lot more clinical than a PT aid, which again, as Rachel mentioned, right, I would probably still count that as clinical, but if that's your only clinical, it may be an issue. Right. And Andrew, you can fact check us live if, if, that, if that, that specific title is what you're talking about, inpatient yeah. Rehab.
1: And it's part of why we say the title is not always indicative, but yep. um, yeah, this stuff is great. There's some subjectivity to it. <clears throat> All right. I don't see a comment coming in from Andrew yet, but maybe he's thinking or typing. We can always circle <laughs> back.
0: Um, Sarah, does submitting primary applications in the first two weeks of June considered late? No, people. Come on. Last two weeks of June, you're not considered late either. Right.
1: Um, yeah, to me, any time in the first two weeks of June is yeah. A+. Plus.
0: There there has been a over... Uh, I don't know the right word. Like uh, Over fascination that's not the right word obsession obsession obsession. yes that's the right word thank you (laughs) obsession with like if i don't submit within the first hour i am late i'm not going to get it like no like just stop
2: it come on people yeah
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah early is good but yeah don't don't nickel and dime yourself to it don't don't think about it down to the second or the day yeah And,
0: and there are there are people uh, I, I've had this conversation with Dr. Uh, Rafael Rivera, the Dean of Admissions at NYU. You may have heard that medical school. He, he doesn't believe in this whole apply early thing. <laughs> so um, he, has, he has a very um, different point of view that a lot of the people applying early are going to be the big gunners with big stats and you don't want to be caught up in that tidal wave. And so slow rolling your application, especially if you're a lower stat student, maybe a better thing right that's just a different point of view so uh it's it's not a one size fits all here
1: yeah and i think the meta point is don't try to play a game when you're not in charge of the rules of the game Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know just just apply Mm -hmm. do the best you can Mm
0: -hmm. we're not the uh what is it the dungeon master who's who's the head dude in dungeons and dragons the the like storyteller person
1: i think they're going to take away my nerd card i can't remember
0: I, I'd never right had a nerd card. Who's who's that person? Come on. Anyway.
1: Somebody yeah. Who's who's the guy in D D who's in charge of the story? Mm. I thought it
0: was the dungeon master. That's what I said. I don't know. Okay.
1: Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs>
0: forgive us. We have sinned. <laughs> Chaplain, <laughs> can you help us? <laughs> um, amen. Is it okay to, quote, expand on topics mentioned on your primary while writing secondaries? I'm having trouble not repeating information. Scott, this is a very, um, I think, common question of how do you, how do you balance? How do you integrate? How do you perceive a primary application and a secondary application should they be completely siloed where there's like no reference of each other mm. how how, do you, how would you answer this
2: no i i i don't think you want to say as i mentioned in my primary application i don't think you want to be like that but i do think you can recognize that the person that's reviewing your application has read everything. And so they're gonna see these the continuity, they're gonna see the connections and stuff. And so, especially as it gets on further into the cycle and they're really concentrating in the selection process as opposed to the front end where they're doing a lot of review of a lot of applications. Um, uh, but even in that case, they're, they're gonna notice things. And so I, I think that what you do, uh, I guess it's Amen, uh amen when you're doing it what I think you what you want to do is just recognize that fact and you can build on uh, things that you said in the, in the primary mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily you know as I said in my personal statement or as you will see in my activity list yeah. I, you know don't that's a little snarky and i I wouldn't do that
0: yeah. yeah it's a little passive aggressive. It's like, yeah, yeah. What? Hey, bonehead, did you not read yeah. the rest did of answer? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. What's yeah.
1: funny too is I think that often when people do that, they don't mean it as passive aggressive. They no, they don't. Like,
2: right. I'm trying
1: to connect the dots. I'm trying to indicate yeah. yes, I do know I touched on this before, but but yeah, yeah it, it's dicey. Uh, yeah. yeah. My quick rule of thumb is never let a prior answer get in the way of the best answer now. Yeah, um, but also point. no copying, and pasting prior answers. Right, right. That's not good. Right. <laughs> All right. What's next?
0: Jason asks, I was wondering if it'd be acceptable to include a publication I had in high school on my application. And if I were to include it, how much should I talk about it? So, Rachel, this comes up all the time. Uh, High school activities on a medical school application. Bad. Okay. Wrong.
1: I mean, it's a read the instructions thing, right? Right. Uh, go look at your application fine print. You're probably going to see that on activities, it says only include things after you've graduated high school or since you've started college. Um, This is the first time I've heard a publication from high school. The classic thing I hear is I was an Eagle stay out and I have Mm -hmm. to include that. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is they want to know how you've been spending your time since you graduated high school. They're not asking about what you did in high school. So the thing I want to caution you against, Jason, is don't insert your own agenda. Um, is it gonna be acceptable ever? Yeah, maybe, because maybe at some point in your secondary, you're gonna get a question about, like, is there an accomplishment you're really proud of that you haven't had a chance to share? Um, I don't know what this publication was, was it instrumental to your why medicine it's possible that it actually shows up in your personal statement i mean probably probably not but maybe um but if you're asking specifically about activities i just think it's it's so tempting to think i have this thing i really want to tell them they didn't ask so i'm going to put it here but what you risk is maybe you're going to impress them or they maybe they're going to go why would i would jason at my med school he can't even follow simple instructions about a timeline So I just would be very, very careful about reading the fine print and following it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm reading the fine print on Amcas, which is why this is always a a dicey question. I don't think it specifically says like it's not include high school. It's It's just a rule of thumb that everyone follows. Now,
2: I will say that the TMDSAS application specifically states it, but I was looking the other day for through Amcas, and it's all just this undercurrent. Uh, This is what you do, but there's not a specific place that it says it. And so I I think that what Jason, what you should do is if you want to include that one publication, then, you know, you you go for it if you want to do that. But you have to have a certain sort of degree of understanding of what you're trying to accomplish by that and just don't wholesale include everything you did in high school. If there's yeah. one, if you're going to include that for a specific reason that it, it really encouraged you to do research and so you got involved in research in college and, you know, blah, 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 then I, I would say, okay, you know, that's fine. But, you know, what what our problem is is when people want to, you know, go back to middle school and talk about, you know, I volunteered mm-hmm. at the food kitchen in middle school and I did that all through high school too. And, you know, you know that that's not uh, – them.
1: Yeah. It's a classic pitfall in admissions. Um, it's the plight of the former gifted child, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just joking with someone about this the other day. Uh, you know, in first grade, I could do multiplication. So I was like one of the top three kids in my class in math. But by high school, I was in math classes with tons of people who could do way cooler stuff than me, right? Like, as you get into more competitive groups, your past matters left, because now you're not comparing yourself to everyone who is in high school. You're only comparing yourself to other people who are Um, pre-med, and and so I just think you wanna be very careful, right? Like, um, again, this this might be, I think, like Scott said, if it's relevant to your journey, it's fine, but what you don't want it to be is, like, when I ask a parent, hey, how's your kid's GPA? And they say, well, in high school their GPA was, and I was like, man, is that code for I'm a helicopter parent and the kid never figured out how to master college, right? So, like, make sure, that you're not redirecting them to high school because you're trying to make up for something you think is missing in college because they will see right through it because it happens a lot. And I'm not accusing you of that, Jason. I don't know you. I'm just saying, beware, that that's a thing that ad comms are wary of.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so we just mentioned, right. uh, The general rule of thumb for, for all three applications is anything after high school Mm-hmm. amcast doesn't say anything tmdsas says no high school and then Acoma coma says eh, if it's relevant to your application you could potentially put it on but we recommend focusing on the last 10 years and at the college level and more yeah so all three application services say something different which is why we say the general rule of thumb <laughs> yes yes so anyway thought i'd bring yeah. that
2: up yeah there you go good
1: question jason good luck jason yeah
0: Albert asks, just got my fourth MCAT score back. 44, 490, 489, 493. Genuinely confused on how to proceed forward. Is there any suggestions? I've used the b- blueprint course, Jack Weston, private tutoring. I saw Albert's question in the Facebook group. Uh, yeah, recently. I was just going to
1: say, this is our friend, Albert. Yeah we, yeah, we know this, Albert. What a bummer. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know, right? Uh, if. Private tutoring, courses, all of this stuff, Albert. There, there is something like mm-hmm. in it, at its core that you're either missing or just test anxiety. Or I, I've I've talked to people, and it'd be interesting, Albert, to get um, to get more information. Practice full lengths. I'm going to throw out right. I don't really care about those practice full lengths because it's your fourth test.
1: Hmm.
0: Right, so how familiar are you potentially with those full-length exams? So I give less credence to those. Um, oh, great job, right? 500, 502. But how much of that score is, ooh, I remember this kind of in the back of my mind, um, what the ooh. answer was. <laughs> I, I, Albert may be the perfect student who either has, has stellar GPA and just can't figure out the MCAT, who maybe gets a shot at a US school or is is the one student, I mean there are lots of students, but but it's the one student who I'm like right off the bat go to a Caribbean school. Mm-hmm, the MCAT mm-hmm. is your barrier. Mm-hmm. Stop wasting your time with it. Mm-hmm. You're a great student. You've proven already that you're a great student from a GPA perspective. I have no concerns with you going to the Caribbean, working your butt off and and coming back and and being an amazing physician.
2: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: I agree with that. Yeah. So Albert, I, I think I, we just need yeah. to dive deeper. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah,
2: I was just going to say, you know, Albert, I, I, my, you know, I'm very um, sympathetic to your situation. Uh, this is the kind of picture where admissions officers really struggle with uh, what to do, particularly when there's such a, a diverse a divergence between what they're seeing in the academic record of of your abilities in the day in day out academic work. As opposed to your MCAT, which is you know, um, th- these are tough numbers to to see and, and and to really get. And so I I you know I, I want you to you know have a a good realistic picture, but I also want to encourage you. But I, I do think that if you haven't thought about uh, looking at Caribbean schools, I think that would be a good idea. Um, I think that the the top score that you have, 493, is still low enough that I think it's going to scare off a lot of schools.
1: Yeah.
0: Rachel, any, any thoughts from you? MCAT wizard?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, sometimes when people are stuck like this, they just have to back away from it for a while. And Albert, I mean, I don't don't know you super well. I mean, I see you in Academy all the time. Um, I don't I think you're non-traditional. I think you've been in and out of school a couple times, right? I know you have a nursing background. Um, I don't know if this is something where you, you know, if you want to consider Caribbean or if you want to just say, you know what, I've gotten sort of super saturated on MCAT and I'm going to take a year or two and keep getting clinical in a job that I do like, even if it's not my dream job, just give myself a break from school and then come back. It can be harder to come back, right? Once you get out of study habits, it's hard to get in them. But also I do worry that, yeah, you've just like, your brain is so full of MCAT that it's just, I'm sure there's a more um, eloquent way to say this, but your brain is going, I can't even. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just done. Um, and, and to Ryan's point, I mean, I normally do put a lot of weight on practice tests, but the rule of thumb is if you've seen them within the last four months that you might remember them. Um, and in your case, there might be some that you've seen repeatedly. You know, maybe not. Maybe you're mixing up practice tests from Kaplan, all these exam crackers everywhere. Maybe you did get fresh ones. Um, but, but at this point, if you've got a 10 point discrepancy between your last practice test and your, your current, it's either that you know those tests too well or that something is going on with the way you practice tests that is not um, true testing conditions. And that can mean a lot of things right it can mean anxiety it can mean time of day it can mean sitting in your house on your couch in your pjs and then when you're at the test center with those big headphones on that make your blood in your ears sound even louder you freak out a lot of people have said that, that those headphones are like they can be wonderful for certain people or they can really make you aware of how hard, fast your heart is beating and that just feeds your anxiety i know that seems like a small detail none of that replaces prep i'm just saying like something's happening on test day where you're not putting it all together. And I think you have to back up a step and think, do I need a break? Do I need to talk to an educational psychologist? Or mm-hmm. like the guys have said, do you just oh, need to God. say, I can be a doctor, but without the MCAT or without a great MCAT. So I got oh, to consider other routes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that last point you made, right. I could be a doctor without the MCAT, not, not technically without the MCAT because you've already taken it four times, yeah. but, is there an SMP program potentially out there that has linkage where you don't have to take the MCAT? You may wanna research that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the fastest, cheapest way, move, way forward is just kind of cutting bait and going, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to the Caribbean. Which again, is the Caribbean is, is perfect for the perfect student. And Albert, it may be you uh, without knowing all the other details. So if you wanna have that conversation, let' let's have that conversation
1: yeah
2: well bless you uh albert we we uh we uh really um you know we we uh care about what's happening to you and-
1: yeah Yeah, I mean, like just from your demeanor, I'm always excited about the idea of you as a future physician, just because we you contribute to the class, you're so kind and constructive, right? So like you have a lot of the personal attributes I want in my positions. Mm -hmm. And also I appreciate you being brave because a lot of people stigmatize scores, right? And I think you're smart enough to know that these scores don't define you and you sharing them publicly, not, not in any kind of shamed way, but just I'm having this string of bad luck way, I think is probably helping a lot of people who are stigmatizing the scores in their head and are going, oh, look at Albert, he's a perfectly bright person. So thank you for for understanding yeah. that this doesn't have to be something to be ashamed of.
2: Yeah.
1: What's next?
0: Sesavet. Uh is seven rec letters too many letters? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if the med school has a maximum of six, then seven is too many. Right. So just go by each school, see what they recommend, uh, and send, send what you send that Scott. This is where more is not necessarily good. Um, mm-hmm. I've been reviewing, uh, because we have my LORs built into, uh, mapped now and students can request letters right from their mapped account, store them mm-hmm. in their mapped account, and then send them to the application services with an asterisk of not TMDSAS for the 2023, 2024 cycle. Yeah. Um, uh, I've seen amazing letters. I mean, I, I don't read them all. I'm, I'm checking for some technical things. There was one I, I reviewed this morning that was so short that I'm like, oh, like, I just want to look at this. And it literally was, hey, this student rounded with us and then signed it, right? It's just like, so more is not always good. Um, so don't, don't go for, for quantity here. Yeah. 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 The yeah. big question
1: I have against quantity is if you give them more than they want, then you don't get to control which ones they look at.
2: Mm, that's right. Yeah. We used to say that because we would have applicants come in we would say, well, this is the number X is the number that we will take. And, and the question was how, you know, if I have more than that, will you choose the best ones? And we're like, no, we're going to choose the first ones that came in up yep. until X. And after that, that's all That's that, that's you're done. <laughs> yes
1: yeah As i mean is. if you're having those doubts then i think and insights and about this may not be you but just because it's relevant if you're having those doubts on which are going to be stronger then you need to work on your confrontation skills you need yeah. to learn how to peacefully kindly neutrally say i am looking for a letter of recommendation writer who can give me a very strong letter of recommendation is that you and then allow them the graceful out to say hey i wish you the best but i might not re- know you well enough to write you a really strong letter
2: yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. And students are so afraid to do that. But I think so you have afraid. to, you have to, you know, you have to put yourself out there and, and just go for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's almost like, I mean, you guys know, I love analogies and metaphors. I would never get to the altar and ask someone to marry me. Right? Yeah. Like, if they're going to say no, find out as soon as possible. Don't wait till it's going to be in front of people that you're watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But, laughs> Take that no as a huge blessing. They are gracing you by saying, I'm going to give you a chance to go find a better letter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Scott, when you said, hey, we're going to take the first X number and then the rest, like all I could picture was Porky Pig going, that's all folks. Do people even know
1: Porky Pig anymore?
0: Got to date yourself there. They didn't grow up in the 80s. So good. All right. What's next? Jack or Jake, Jake, uh, would it look bad to med school admissions committees if I'm leaving pharmacy school for med school? Oh, I love this question. Mm-hmm. Comes up a lot, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's someone who's in pharmacy school, leaving PA school, leaving in a master's or a PhD level education. Mm-hmm. They thought, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go be a researcher. And then halfway through their their program, they're like, "Uh oh, I made a mistake. hmm. Rachel, is this bad or is this good? It's like, Hey, I've made a decision. I'm putting my, my kind of foot in the ground and pivoting. You should, you should look highly at that.
1: I don't know. Um, I think it's a case by case thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because on the ones one hand, are you a flight risk? Right. Mm. And and Jake, Jack, I'm not saying this is you, but I I have helped people before who literally told me dentistry one day and med the next. And I was just like, I don't, I I need you to like put some more reflection into this. It can't just be I'm going to keep throwing spaghetti at the wall until I find something that sticks. Right. So I think that's the risk that it might look like that. But if you can make a really good case for it of like pharmacy school is part of my journey to med school here's what I learned without disparaging your school or the pharmacy career, right? And this is common, right? We see a lot of nurse to med too, it's absolutely possible. But you don't wanna focus on what you didn't like about the first choice. What you wanna focus on is here's what I realized is better. Mm -hmm. But I think it could be done in a way that it's seen as a neutral or positive. Um, So would it look bad? Well, the med school admissions committee is not a monolith. It's not just one big rock that thinks all the same right? There's going to be different schools and different admission committee matters, but I think a lot of it is going to be how you position it and the case that you make.
2: Well, and the other thing I would say is what's the alternative, Jake or Jack? Right. Yeah. You know, if you're in pharmacy school and you want to leave, you want to go to medical school instead. Okay. If it looks bad, it looks bad. What's the alternative? You can't, I mean, it is what it is. So I understand you wanting to know how's this going to look, but I agree with what everybody said. It's going to be how you describe your journey, uh, as to how that's going to be interpreted by the by the admissions committees and the reviewers. And so I I think that you have to make a good case for yourself and and make it clear why why you went to pharmacy school in the first place, and then how things have changed for you, and why you're doing this. And as long as you do that in a in a in a in a compelling way, then then that's what you want to do. But the, the there is no alternative. The, the only alternative is then you don't apply to medical school, and and that doesn't say that yeah. doesn't seem like what you want to do.
0: I love asking that question. Like, what, what are you going to do differently? Like, you can't yeah, change right. what yeah. has been. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and if it's not the career for you, like, don't. Um, what's Stop that expression? On. Yeah, don't spite your nose. Don't cut off your nose to spite your own face.
0: Yeah. Right? If pharmacy is also- not the
1: career for you, don't stay in it just to prove a point.
0: Yeah. Right. But prove a point and uh it is known as the sunk cost fallacy. A lot of people are like, I've already spent X number of dollars, I might as well just get my degree. Mm. Like spending more money just to finish something when you don't Mm -hmm. actually want it isn't a good thing. Yeah, the
1: past can't be changed. So what's the best choice you can make today, regardless of anything in the past? And if that's med school, then go for it.
0: Got it. Yeah.
1: All right. We've waxed real philosophy today. Yeah.
0: Tomas asks, is it fine for letters of rec to be dated for last cycle? I'm having issues with letter packet services with my university and contact uh, contacting my old professors. Do I need new letters of rec? Ah, such a <laughs> hard question. Scott, one of the things you talk a lot about is the letter of recommendation ideally is to show who you are, not who you were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a year difference of who you were or who you are. And it's like, I
2: can well, I, I think in my view, what, what this says, if, if you have an old letter, it really says to the reviewer who doesn't know the circumstances of why you, why the letter is an old letter is, does, is the question is, does this person not like them anymore? Can they, you know, has something changed so that you can't get a new letter from them? Or, you know, what's what's going on with the relate in, in the relationship between you and that letter writer that is making it where you can't get an updated letter? Yep. And you don't want to necessarily let the uh, advisor, uh, I mean, let the uh, reviewer at the medical school level, um, ha- you know, make that, it's have to assume about that. So you know I would say if you're having a letter pa- if you have a letter packet service from your from your university, then if you can't get a new updated letter from an older professor who may be retired and these things happen sometimes where the professor retires and you can't get in touch with them or they're not responding or whatever, then you can have your university put in their letter packet a, a note to that effect that says, hey, you know, Dr. So-and-so retired, he's off the grid, we, you know, we can't find him, so this letter's not able to be updated, but, you know, whatever. So, you know, consider that, talk to your university about that if if that's the case with you. Um, So just think about it. But I I think in general, we want to see letters that have the, the year date of the year of application. Yep.
0: yeah i even i i've seen one so far that i that i noticed again i'm the one reviewing all of the letters of recommendations coming in and qaing them for my lors uh which is our letter recommendation service built into mapped pro uh there was one that was dated 2022 and so it it met all of the criteria right it was on letterhead and dated and and had a signature and contact information so i approved it and i was also able to send a, a quick note to the student that was also that just said hey uh, the letter's great uh, from a, a technical standpoint. Again, subjectivity—I'm not looking at—but um, it's dated 2022. Ideally, these are dated the year you apply. If you can, go ahead and get a new letter. And the student was like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much! I didn't know that was a thing." And then got a new letter. So yep. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, we can we can hopefully help some students. Chris, hello, Dr. Gray. And Scott and Rachel. <laughs> um, I, I just graduated from high school. One of my biggest worries when applying to medical school is getting shadowing. How would you recommend I get it? <sighs> Rachel. Yeah. Chris is on a mission graduating high school he's ready to get after it yeah i love these questions so
1: chris first of all i commend you congratulations on graduating from high school and i commend you for uh for planning ahead like this i love to talk to early pre-meds shadowing can be Really hard to get. It's like annoyingly frustrating that it's this thing that you're all expected to do. And yet most schools don't offer shadowing as part of the pre-med track. There are a few that do, um but most don't. Um, I sometimes think that maybe physicians as part of their continuing education, should prove that they're allowing a certain number of shadowing hours for students, right? Like, They all had to get shadowing to get there. Why aren't they all giving shadowing opportunities? But, you know, until those dreams become a reality, a lot of it for you is just going to be knocking on as many doors and making as many cold calls as possible. Um, You might have to make yourself a little script. You know, my name is this. I'm a pre-med at this school. I'd love to come and shadow your physicians. You know, can I talk to your office manager? The big thing I would say is, Don't just try hospitals and clinics. That's what I hear a lot of is like, especially post-COVID, oh, the hospital near me isn't allowing any volunteers or shadowing anymore. Okay, so what else did you try? And they just like give me like saucer eyes. Like you may have a lot of trouble getting shadowing at hospitals and clinics. So you might have to think more creatively. Think about, you know, urgent care. Think about private practices. Definitely think about... um, places like nursing homes and hospice that's also a great place to get volunteer work right so you could potentially go get some volunteer clinical there and then as you're getting into those opportunities see if there's a physicians around that will let you shadow them so you Mm -hmm. may be cold calling just for shadowing or you may be looking for paid or volunteer clinical opportunities and then as you find them you can start to make connections with the physicians on site and say hey when i'm not on the clock for my regular shift can I come back and shadow you a little? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to get a lot of no's before you get a guess. So mm-hmm. don't be discouraged and search far and wide.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good you luck, Chris. There. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think one of my <laughs> aspirational things is to bring back slash finally launch uh, a service that we had tried several years ago before, before mapped even started was yep. a, a platform I created called fine shadowing. It was actually a pre-med student who uh, developed it for me. And I had a, a very small team at that point. Again, it was just me and, and a very small team surrounding me. And it was very hard to find physicians to, to come onto the platform to say, yes, I will allow students to shadow me. And the way we set it up was to protect the the physician Um, as much as possible, but that's definitely something as we continue to grow and have more resources um, to put towards those things. I I think it would be a huge um, game changer for students. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. definitely in our long-term plan. Yeah. In the meantime, Chris, I guess the one other thing I didn't mention is go get yourself HIPAA certified. You can Google Red Cross HIPAA certification because one of the biggest objections you're going to get is we can't because of HIPAA. So make sure that they know that if you're in the room with patients, that you understand how to observe those privacy laws.
2: Yeah. You get hippified. Hippified.
0: Cool. Taylor, does a do-it-yourself post at a community college look bad to adcoms? I cannot afford to not work a full-time job, and the local university does not work with my full-time job. The local CC does. Scott, this is one of those what's the alternative questions right? Do you either do a postback um, the way you can do a post back or you don't do a postback and you don't go to med school? potentially?
2: Well, yes, I, I agree with that. I, however, um, I think if the reason you're doing a postback is because of grade problems in college, if, if you have if that's the reason why you're doing it, Doing it at a community college is not going to get you where you want to go. I I would prefer you do online, something online that you can work with your schedule. There are online science courses that you can take through reputable uh, online instruction uh, institutions uh, like you know, uh, Cal Berkeley has a pretty big uh, offering of stuff. Harvard Extension does it as well. You know, I would I would prefer you doing online stuff to doing community college stuff. If the reason you're doing it is because of grade problems and you're trying to trying to fix a a, a substandard uh, undergraduate record.
0: So Scott, you you normally give an answer of uh, ideal. Yes, optimal, acceptable, acceptable o- optimal, acceptable. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and and uh, doesn't work or whatever whatever that
2: third one is. <laughs> not at um, all
0: acceptable. Yeah, not at all. So so this wouldn't be not at all acceptable. It's just not not ideal.
2: I would what? say it's in the gray area between not ideal and not acceptable. I I, I just yes, don't okay. I just don't think that if, if you did substandard work in 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 college or didn't have any science work at all in college and you're doing a post back, then doing it at, at a community college and, and I'm not I'm not trying to be mean to community college and stuff. I just say I'm just saying that in terms of the way admissions committees are going to view it, it's not going to give them the information they want and need. it's It's going to give them information. Yeah, you can you made C's in organic chemistry in college uh, at X university. And then you went to community college and did organic chemistry and you made an A. How do I interpret that? I don't even know how to think about that. Um, so yeah. I, I would say it's it's a tough call. And, and I Taylor, I get the situation that you're in in terms of full-time work and in local university and, and all of that, but I think you have to be creative I think you may have to do courses from a number of different institutions. If you can do some online stuff and and uh, and, and piece together a, a DIY program, I would prefer to see that than uh, community college work. That that uh, I wouldn't know really what that meant in terms of how to interpret it.
0: Yeah, I I will just go publicly you and say. That. I hate the fact that there's that stigma against community colleges. I get it. I totally get
2: it. And, and I'm not, I'm not espousing that. I'm not saying yep. that that's the, the the way it should be. I'm just saying what reality is. And some medical schools may be willing to sort of look over that and sort of, you know, kind of, you know, work with it and, 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 and look at a variety of other things to understand better. But I think it with, with schools where they get, thousands and thousands and thousands of applications, it's too easy for them to just say, you know what, we've got so many other candidates. This is super messy and complicated. I'm, I'm just not gonna go there.
1: So do you see it as less problematic if they start in community college and then go to a four year? Like is yes. that a situation where community college is still acceptable to you? Yes,
2: I agree with that completely. Okay. Uh, because what, what that says is my community college work looked like this. The my community college GPA was 3.6 or 3.8 or whatever. And I, I transitioned to cop to a university and I remained consistent and I still have a three point you know six. Now, if you start a community college and have a 3.7 and you go to university and it goes to a 3.3, that's gonna be a concern. Mm-hmm. That's gonna say, whoa, you know what's the, you know, what's going to happen when they get to medical school? Is that still going to go in that, tr- in that sort of downward fashion? So mm-hmm. if you do the community college to university thing, which is a very acceptable and very um, uh, okay with, you know, a lot of admissions committees are, are super happy with that. It's what a lot of people have to do for cost reasons or whatever. Uh, but if you do that, you've got to remain consistent in terms of the, the, the level of work that you're doing at
1: one and then the other. Okay. Well, Taylor, a little tough love, but hopefully that helped.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Kaki, hello. Are medical shadowing hours done abroad or are they looked at differently than those done in the US? About 60% of all of my clinical hours are from abroad. So I'm wondering if that's an issue. Thank you. Yeah. Rachel, uh, let's let's separate clinical versus shadowing, uh, because I think potentially they they have different purposes, right? Shadowing, exactly. understanding the healthcare system and what your future may hold. Shadowing a physician in Turkey versus the U.S. You're experiencing a completely different healthcare system. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, Akaki, I think your your clinical hours being abroad, don't worry me, because ideally treating a patient is treating a patient wherever you go. But what's the point of shadowing? The point of shadowing is to understand the career, the day in the life of a physician well beyond the bedside. Right. Right. I don't think you've had a complete shadowing experience if all you did is go into appointments or go on rounds with a physician. I think you should experience the whole day. You should see what it's like when they have to do their own sharding. If you, they don't have a scribe, you should see what it's like to be doing um, admin work or argue on the phone with insurance. Like there's a lot of red tape and administrative ex- expectations that we put on USA based physicians. And so uh, my concern, not not that I think it's bad to get shadowing outside of the U.S., but my concern is if you don't have substantial shadowing within the U.S., then you may not fully understand the career that you're saying you're applying to med school to pursue. Um, so, but but clinical, I worry a little bit less. I feel like mostly clinical is clinical. Although again, I think it's just still still good to get some experience inside the system that you intend to be working in.
0: Yeah, there's there's at least one school that I know of that specifically states on their website. uh, International shadowing is not considered.
1: Mm -hmm. All right.
0: 155, probably time for one more. Oh, yeah. Joe Sinclair. How do I tackle a low 3.2, 3.0 science GPA? The question, what is the story behind that number? If you not, uh, if you have not heard my general spiel on this, I don't know what a 3.2 is. Uh, a 3.2, uh, let, let's just do 3.5, just to, for, for example, a 3.5, all things equal, could be a 4.0, 4.0, 3.0, 3.0. It could be a 3.0, 3.0, 4.0, 4.0. Right. One has a very steep downward trend. One has a very awesome upward trend. It could also be three point five flat line all across the way. And Scott, medical schools don't just see a number. Right. They get every single data point and can make decisions based on trends. Talk Mm -hmm. about that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the, The application services, regardless of which one we're talking about, carve up your GPA in a lot of different ways. And the way they look at these trends is they look at your freshman, you know, first year GPA, second year. They can look at it by semester. They can obviously look at the individual classes. Uh, they, they're going to see these trends. They're going to see, you know, whether or not you were up or down, or you know, it, just as you described, uh, Ryan. And so I think that the the picture of just giving us the the actual GPA three two and three zero doesn't help. Too much in terms of knowing what that trend looks like. If you're if you're like a lot of people, it's kind of you know up and down and stuff like that. And so, I think it it, it you know it, it it's going to be a lot about that. So now, having said that, if you're sort of somewhat consistently a three two three o person. Let's just go down that road. If that's who you are, then uh, then you know, obviously, I would say a postback is is what you want to be looking at, a postback program of some sort, with a lot of heavy uh, reflection on why am I making three twos and three os? Why am I making a lot of bs? Maybe some cs? That you know, what what's that all about? What 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 changes can I make to you know make that uh, better? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then just a reminder, I've got map.com up on screen share. If uh, if you're looking for some insight into some of the ways med schools will look at your GPA, we'll calculate your GPA the same <clears throat> way we do, and we'll show you some trending data. Um, you can see these tables here. This is just a demo account. It happens to be a demo account of someone who has a downward trend. So not only are their grades kind of lackluster, but senior year, you can see science GPA dip to its lowest ever. This is not... And a confidence-inspiring 3.07, right? Where I've mm-hmm. seen other 3.07s where it was 15 years ago, I thought C's got degrees, and now I'm a career changer, and I'm at a four-year university getting all A's in sciences, but my QM is mm-hmm. still not great, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we mean by the different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely is free Check it out. Uh, use that calculator to help you kind of make some analysis.
2: And, and let me just say it this way to you. Joey, or however you pronounce your name, is um, is that you know you're telling stories when you're telling in, in your in your application, and you need to to help the admissions committee understand your story, yeah. and 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 to and what you're talking about in terms of your GPA, there's a story related to that. It could be multiple stories depending on kind of things that have happened in your past and stuff like that. And what you're what you're trying to do is Restore the the confidence that the admissions committee might have in your academic abilities. So restoring for them, or what I might say is restoring for them, mm-hmm. re, you know, giving yourself a new story that says this is really what I can do in terms of my academic abilities. So I'm I'm restoring it for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's 159. I think maybe we've come to the end, friends.
0: Yep. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our family. Oh, my M I C K E Y. Here we
2: go.
1: Sign up for MAPTCON.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe uh, here we go. What's wrong? You don't like my little <laughs> saying name? It was a. I, did, um,
2: I, I, I didn't say it.
0: <laughs> it was a. It, we did a Disney musical in elementary school that I still remember d- to this day, and that was that was our our sign off for the musical. I was singing that right. song.
1: Yeah, sign we off. did. Was it was uh, a. Pete the Dragon. Some movie had "Candle on the Water," and we did that in sign in ASL American Sign Language, like with little glow in the dark white oh, gloves oh, on, oh, like oh, against my. a black light. So, oh, man, I elementary school that. in the eighties. <laughs>
0: nice the The one thing i love about asl and i would love to learn more are are like the puns that they use yeah. for things like milk milk is like this oh, and yeah. then this like is pasteurized milk because yeah. milk goes
1: past your eyes
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> weird. yeah weird. yeah it's, oh, it's super goodness. fun anyway awesome my friends mapscon.com we all will be there come hang out with us, come mm-hmm. learn, come talk. More importantly, come talk to medical schools yes. because the deans and directors and recruiters that are going to be there wanting to talk to you mm-hmm. to help you on your journey. So all of these questions that you're asking us, you can go straight to the medical schools who are mm-hmm. there tabling and exhibiting and wanting to meet with you. Baptcon.com, yeah. October 6th through 8th in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Right. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Week. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.